We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore the different aspects of Christianity, like biblical teachings and personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris. It's a joy to be here once more and record another episode. And if you haven't figured it out, we're going through the book of Jonah right now. And there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to the book of Jonah. And we've already discussed many of the the things that are interesting about that. But one of the most interesting points is that Jonah really reveals a lot about sometimes how we are in relation to God, how we act when God has called us to do something. So I'm excited to continue on with this series in the book of Jonah. And I'm here with a awesome co-host, Brother Brandon. It's a pleasure to record another episode with you today. And so I'm just going to go ahead and pass it over to you, Brother Brandon, and I want you to tell us what we're going to talk about in Jonah today. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was ever going to get to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. I was, I was like, thinking right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just listen in as part of the audio. Today. This is all Chris today. <laughs> Well, it is good to be <laughs> part of the Faith 168 podcast, and we thank all of our listeners for tuning in today, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Jonah. We're going through the book of Jonah, as Chris mentioned, and we have made it to chapter three, so we are nearly finished with this series, as the book of Jonah is only four chapters in length. Short book, big message. Yes. But we're going to look at chapter 3, where Jonah is still shaking vomit off of him. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, you might have to search and listen to last week's episode. Or you can read Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, where uh, Jonah is vomited out from a great fish onto dry land. God's giving him another chance here, and Jonah... Maybe he learned his lesson a little bit. Maybe he didn't, but whether he did or didn't, he finally goes to Nineveh to preach as God told him to. And we see something amazing taking place as Jonah finally fulfills his divinely ordained mission. Mm-hmm. And let's take a look at what that is. I'm going to read for us, first of all, the first four verses of Jonah chapter 3. And it says, Then. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, the first four verses kind of set the tone for this 
entire chapter, this short chapter of 10 verses, just like the last chapter. And basically what we see here is the means through which God calls and causes sinners to repent. Mm -hmm. And that is through his word preached. That's what we see happening in these verses. Jonah finally preaches the word, preaches a very short message, and God does what he always does through his word preached. He converted the hearts of sinners and enabled them to repent. Mm -hmm. That's what we see really exemplified in the beginning of this story. And what's amazing about this is, according to the way this starts out, Jonah barely opened his mouth, right? He like uttered the shortest sermon probably ever preached in all of scripture. It's, it's got to be the shortest prophetic sermon, um, really in all the Bible. And God used it to bring an entire nation to repentance. And we'll see that here in just a moment where the entire nation repents before the Lord God. And we may ask, well, how is that possible? How did the entire nation repent when all Jonah did was say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown? Well, I mean, he doesn't even mention God. He doesn't Mm -hmm. mention the God of Israel. He doesn't mention repentance or anything like that. So how is it that the entire nation repented when Jonah just preached a little message like this? Well, because the power to change people's hearts does not rest in the messenger, but in the God who gives his people a message to preach. Right. Um, Really, God didn't need Jonah to preach anything elaborate or extensive or or greatly polished. God just needed him to be... Um, we didn't really need him for anything, but God just wanted him to be faithful to preach this message he gave to him, and he obviously used it. Right. And pretty much that's what we see here. Mm-hmm. And what we also see is Jonah didn't even go very far into the city. Um, it says that Nineveh, in verse 3, was exceedingly great, three days' journey in breadth. Mm-hmm. So in order to preach to every resident, every Ninevite, it would have taken three days to walk the entire perimeter. But according to this story, Jonah just stuck his foot in, right? traveling only one day's length into the city. And so, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of reluctant here. I mean, that's kind of been his great strength, you know, being reluctant and resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, He's kind of just obeying God's call to save his skin here. You know, he's he's not really enthusiastic about preaching to Israel's heathen enemies. Because if he had been, if he had been grateful to be part of God's saving plan, then he would have knocked on every door in Nineveh. Right. But instead, he barely got close enough to reach anybody's house. Mm-hmm. He just goes in a day's journey. So he doesn't go very far in distance, and he doesn't go very far with his message. It's just right. eight words long, and as I said, it doesn't even mention the God of Israel. Basically, a bare minimum sermon that took maybe one exhalation of breath to deliver, um, and that may be stretching it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, this is what's beautiful. This is what can encourage us. It was this message that God used to bring an entire nation to its knees in remorseful repentance toward him. Mm-hmm. And God does the same thing today. 
We serve the same conversion-producing God. We preach the same repentance-producing word. And like Jonah, all of us who are believers are privileged to be God's chosen vessels to deliver His word. And that's so amazing. It is a great blessing. It's not something we should be resistant or reluctant about or even hesitant. We should be so grateful that God has involved us in His saving plan of redemption to bring lost souls into the kingdom. And we just have a small part to play at that, to make the introductions, right? We can't actually lead anybody to Christ. We just introduce them to Jesus. We just preach the word. We just share the gospel. And God does the rest. And we should be so thankful to be part of that. Right. Yeah. And we, we should stick to this, too. This is something else we should note. We should not reinvent the wheel or change our methods. You know, mm-hmm. the word preached is what works. Right. That's the only tried and and true means of generating soul saving, life changing, mm-hmm. and nation transforming repentance. Yeah. Well, the only method I would say we need to change there is that let's try not to take the belly of a big fish as our <laughs> yeah. means of transportation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, yeah. To do that. <laughs> yeah, let's just not run from God uh, right. at all. So uh he doesn't use everything in the created order to get us back on track. Right. And you know, something else, you know, we're talking about differences here between us and Jonah. Um another difference is, you know, Jonah was just given basically a message of judgment here. And he made no mention of God's name. Mm-hmm. But our message centers around the highest and most exalted name in all the universe. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We are to preach what the apostles said in Acts 4.12, where they said, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yes. Of course, that name is the glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And something else, one more thing to note here before we continue on in this story. Jonah was obviously not particularly skilled in preaching. I think that's a fair estimation. Yeah. Um, Well, if he was, he's not showing it real good. I was going to say, yeah, I just about (laughs) said he didn't really give us any criteria or, Mm -hmm. you know, anything to judge, um, (laughs) you know, to see if he was a good preacher or not, because he didn't Mm ever preach uh, that often. but. He is obviously different from like some of the more elaborate prophets in Scripture, like Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah, whose sermons spanned you know several chapters. But God still used Jonah, despite his reluctance and despite the fact that he probably wasn't a, a skilled preacher, and he used him even when he was covered in vomit residue, and. Paul actually reminds us of this, not of, you know, preaching while we have vomit on us, but preaching in weakness and, you know, not being very skilled in doing it and how God still uses that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 3 through 5, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That doesn't look too good on a resume, does it? No. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. He's highlighting all his weaknesses here and his shortcomings. But he says, in demonstration of the spirit and of power, 
I came to you so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's not about mm-hmm. us. It's about God taking his gospel message and using it to convert people and bring them to repentance. Right. Yeah. And that's what we see with Nineveh as we continue on in this story. Chris, why don't you uh, share with us the remainder of this story where the Ninevites turn to God in repentance? Yeah, so so Jonah, he we can commend Jonah a little bit because at least now he is partially following the will of God. Right, Because right. now he is at Nineveh. But like you said, Brother Brandon, man, that's probably the worst sermon I've ever heard. You have 40 days and <laughs> yeah. you're destroyed. It, but, you know, it seems to have a really good effect. So maybe that's what we need to start doing instead of doing all of these extra steps. Maybe we just need to, yeah, yeah. you know, get out our biggest King James Bible and go out into the middle of, of Chicago or something and then say, burn, you're going to be destroyed <laughs> and, and see what happens. Um, so, but... But overall, I think we see here too still the condition of Jonah's heart, and it's it's really hard to be critical of him because we get that way too. Oh sometimes. yeah, I'm sure. And, and so we see that again. He doesn't he doesn't mention you know why they're being destroyed, who's going to destroy them, or how to avoid destruction. Why? Because it's the same as it was from the beginning. He wants Nineveh to be destroyed. Yeah. He, he doesn't want them to be saved. So he's still selfish in how he's doing this. And how often do, do we get into that same mode that our plans, our will clashes with the will of God. And instead of going full heartedly into the will of God and doing what God has called us to do, we, we kind of put in the part that we agree with. And then leave mm-hmm. out the parts we disagree with, and yeah, and so that's that's really how we relate to Jonah in in that way. But what I like is that Hebrew word for for overthrown right there, uh, because what's cool about the Hebrew language is their words had a lot of meaning to it, mm-hmm. and so this this word was used in many different contexts. In the context that Jonah's using it, he's He's meaning it to overturn or to overthrow. That was the meaning that he was putting there. But that word is also used in other parts of scripture to change or to transform. And I think it's pretty poetic on how God Mm -hmm. uh, took that instance right there as he's yelling out, as Jonah's yelling out, overthrow, I want you to be destroyed. But God's also using that to, in a different way, transform and to change Nineveh. Yeah, right. But mm. but we see ourselves in Jonah right here, I believe. And and God calls us to do things that we don't want to do. And we even sometimes experience that spiritual timeout just like Jonah had in the belly of that great fish. And then sometimes we even get somewhat in line with God's will, but then we half-heartedly do what God has called us to do. And that's not good. And the reason that we have the book of Jonah is not necessarily to complain about Jonah, but to recognize that sometimes we act like Jonah, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't give ourselves half-heartedly to God. And someone might ask why, you know, it seems kind of radical to give everything we've got to God, but what did God do for us? He gave everything for us in John 3 16. 
uh, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He, he gave everything on the cross of Calvary for us. And so when it comes to the call of God, the will of God, we should be all in. And, and that's what Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1 as well, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And if you have a Bible out and you're listening to this right now and you turn to Romans 12, 1, I would underline, which is your reasonable service. It's our reasonable service to be a living sacrifice for God and to go all in for him no matter where he's calling us, because he went all in for us. And so the simple point to all of this is that when God calls us to do something, don't be like Jonah, but give your all just like Christ did for yeah. us. In Colossians 3, 23 through 24, Paul tells us that whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And so I'm thankful that God still worked through Jonah, even though Jonah was not giving God's call his very best effort. And I'm thankful that God does the same with us in many instances. Yeah, he's he's right. done it with me in, in countless in, instances. Uh, but, you know, today we complain about the decline of the church and the United States a lot. It's very easy to complain about no one's coming to church anymore. No one's doing this. No one's doing that. But I don't know, Brother Brandon, you're a pastor as well. Uh, you know, you, you try and do these things to do outreach and to get people to church. And then usually you only have two or three in each church that want to, to help out. And then you have a larger congregation that's is seemingly either yeah. not showing up, even sometimes the services uh, but not doing any outreach. And sometimes they're the loudest voices on why isn't anything happening? Why aren't people coming to Christ? Well, you got to give uh, a little bit of effort in that. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, Second Corinthians 9, 6, where Paul writes, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So if you want to see the movement of God, you, you've got to listen up. You've got, you've got to answer his call. And even half-heartedly, we see what God can do when he calls someone to do something and they do it half-heartedly here like Jonah. Uh, and, and so just think if we even had half-heartedly church members <laughs> serving, what, what a difference that would make. Because listen to this as, as we continue to read in Jonah chapter three, verse five through nine, what happens even though Jonah is half-heartedly giving God uh, his, what, what he's called to do right there. And it says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. 
and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And that's pretty awesome what happens there. (laughs) Because here we see these pagans, these Gentiles, once more Mm -hmm. showing a greater faith and (laughs) greater reverence and greater repentance than than Jonah has this whole time we've been reading out of the book of Jonah. Really ironic. Right, yeah. (laughs) You you expect the people of God, this prophet of God, to answer the call of God without question. And yet here are these people that were actively against the people of God. There was a reason that Jonah didn't want Nineveh to you know, be saved. He, there was a reason that he wanted them to be destroyed and it's because he didn't like them because they were the enemies of his people. They, they would capture and enslave the Hebrew people. They would kill the Hebrew people. Uh, and, and so he wanted them to be destroyed and he denied the will of God. He ran from the will of God. And yet here are these people that were killing the people of God that moment is is Jonah cried out, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. <laughs> there you go. That's what you get. <laughs> and and they heard that. And instead of turning from the will of God or getting mad and stomping their feet, they repented. And that's a core doctrine of our faith to repentance. Yeah, we, we need to really understand that. And, and the king brought that up. He said, let every man turn from his evil ways. Right, right. And, and you mentioned that Jonah didn't give them really much context in yeah, right. the worst sermon preached on earth. He said, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be overthrown in 40 days. He didn't give them the answer to who was going to overthrow them, but who did they submit to? Who did Nineveh submit to? They submitted to God and they didn't know if there was a way out of it for all they knew. This was a proclamation. This was a decree. It was finalized and they were going to be overthrown. But yet here you have the king saying, who knows, maybe God will relent. But either way, without knowing the outcome, without knowing if that was the solution, they went ahead, they submitted to God. They repented of their evil ways and God answered. God answered in that. And and what's interesting is that Jesus even brings up the people of of Nineveh. uh, When you read in Matthew chapter 12, when you look there in, in verse 41, he says, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. And so what's cool is that the people of Nineveh, they didn't need this great sign to come to repentance. And we don't need a great sign to come to repentance or lead others to repentance. Because simply, as you've already stated before too, Brother Brandon, the word of God is sufficient to lead yeah, people right. to repentance and faith in Jesus. That's all we need. 
in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 17, it says, how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that we need all of these big things that we expect sometimes. You don't need a big worship band. You don't need yeah. the smoke machines or the screens. And that's not to say that these things aren't useful and that these things are bad to use. But the word simply is sufficient. And we oftentimes take the lack of what we have to justify our lack for following the will of God. I don't have a smoke machine, mm -hmm. so I can't put on a service. A I don't one. have a screen, so I can't put on the service. I can't preach the word of God. I don't have a microphone. Jonah walked into this huge city. Guess what he did not have? He didn't have a screen, a smoke machine, a band, and he definitely didn't have a microphone. Yeah, you have right. a Bible and you have a voice. If you're a Christian, you should be using it because that is sufficient to lead people to repentance. And so that's the core doctrine that we, we need to focus on is that the word of God is sufficient to lead people to repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. And that's God's will too, is for all people to repent. Uh, that that's what we see in second Peter chapter three, verse nine, that God's not slack concerning his promises, but he's not willing that anyone should perish, but right, all right. come to repentance. God's will is for people to come to repentance. And as we right. read in Romans chapter 10, right there, as we went through it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do men come to repentance? When people step up and share the word of God. That's what we need to do. You got anything to share on that? Um, yeah, just generally speaking here, which you've touched on this, but what you see from the Ninevites, it, it's almost like weird saying it, but uh, what you see from the Ninevites is an example of repentance. Mm -hmm. um, Jonah would never say that, <laughs> you know, because as <laughs> yeah, you elaborated, yeah. he despised them. But, Really, this is a great example of what true repentance is. Mm -hmm. Now, I know repentance is not a word we use a lot of times in churches today, even though we should, um, since it is essential for salvation. But repentance, I think, is so often misunderstood. You know, a lot of people think repentance is just feeling sorry, mm -hmm. you know, for having committed sin. And that's important. You know, the Bible does talk about godly sorrow. Mm -hmm. But repentance is more than remorse. It's more than regret. I think somebody said once that repentance is not when you cry. It's when you change. Yes. Yeah, and, I like that. And that's what you see with the Ninevites here. The king is like, we got to stop. You know, mm -hmm. we are violent. We're wicked. And he demonstrates his commitment to renounce all this sin because he gets off his throne. He leaves his throne. He gets his royal robes off and 
wears sackcloth and ashes and then says, all right, all of us got to do this as a group. You know, the mm-hmm. whole nation's got to repent, even the animals, <laughs> you know, right. which the animals weren't guilty of any sin, but still, mm-hmm. he, I guess he wanted to be extensive. He didn't want to leave anybody out or anything, <laughs> yeah. but it's a total Leave me my hamburger. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But it's a total transformation. That's the point. This whole nation basically came before God and they said, you know what? We're done with sin. We're turning our back on it once and for all. And we're proving that we're changing our ways by being different. We're right. not going to be wicked. We're not going to be violent anymore. We're letting go of all of our sin and we're taking hold of the Lord God. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what true repentance is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Again, it's not just that brief moment where we feel sorry for committing sin. It's where we deliberately renounce, reject, renunciate, and repudiate. I'm out of our words now. Uh, <laughs> sin in our lives where we have that holy determination to be done with it. Right. And the beautiful thing is, as we see here in this story, when when we repent of our sins, God gives us mercy. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did for the Ninevites. Um, if we look at verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Hmm. Nineveh was going to be judged originally. God said, hey, Jonah, you got to preach to them. Their evil has come up before me. I can't sweep it under the rug. I can't overlook it any longer. And I'm going to judge them for their sin. And here we see something totally different. They repent. They turn away from their wicked ways. And God gives them mercy instead of judgment. And it says he did not bring upon them the disaster that he said he would. Mm-hmm. And some people might think that's contradictory, you know, like, well, isn't that going against what God said since he did say he would bring judgment on them? Well, there's a, a little qualifier in scripture about this exact thing. And it's what God says about messages of judgment in Jeremiah 18 verses seven through eight. And here's what the Lord God says. He says, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Mm -hmm. So conditional judgment here. You will be judged without mercy unless you repent and turn to the Lord God for mercy. And when you do that, he will show you grace. He will show you kindness and yeah. mercy instead of judgment. And, of course, chiefly, that's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Yes, As we have turned to Him in repentance and faith, God has shown us great mercy, undeserved mercy that we cannot work for or deserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, too, we look there, and... We, we see that God's response to repentance and faith just in the simplest form is grace and salvation. Yeah. And that leads us to understand the vice versa, what you were just talking about. If God's 
uh, response to repentance and faith is grace and salvation. God's response to unrepentance and unfaithfulness is destruction and judgment. Yeah. And true faith does begin with repentance. And I like, like what you said, repentance isn't crying. Repentance is changing. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there is, you know, some sorrow in repentance. It's sometimes painful because it's coming to the realization that you're wrong and that God is right and that you're going to walk in his righteousness. But repentance is very important because that's the first message that Jesus preached. The first thing that we see him do, look at Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and Paul writes about repentance too and what the fruit of repentance is in 2 Corinthians seven ten, It says, uh, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so I don't, I don't want to, to sugarcoat the gospel for you because the beginning of the gospel starts with repent. It, yeah. it starts with Correct. turning away from your sin, understanding that it is wrong and letting that, that heartfelt sorrow of wrongdoing lead you to change. And that's very important. And so I think the big message that we get from this today is that first off, if you're a Christian, you need to give your all to Jesus. When God calls yeah. you to do something, when he leads you to do something, what you need to do is not run from it, but go along with it. Say, God, you've given your all for me. So I'm going to give my all for you. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. This is my reasonable service to you. And that if you're not a Christian today, I think the big point would be that it's time to repent, to turn away from your evil ways, to yeah. turn away from the world. To, uh, as James would say, as we read through the book of James, to turn away from our selfish desires, our selfish ambitions, and to believe in Jesus. And, and so there's a message for every listener today, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian uh, whether you're you're stout in your faith and, and really following God, continue on and doing that, or maybe you've taken a step back and you know that God is calling you to do something. Simply Christians, your calling is to reach out to a lost and dying world. And however God has called you to do that, give it your all. And if you're not a Christian, your calling is to answer his call to repent and believe because honestly nothing else truly matters until you do that that's the gospel that's right do you got any last words before we close this out today brother yeah i just might add you know what's so beautiful about this story is no matter who you are reading it there's something in this story for everybody right you might be as chris said like a ninevite somebody living in sin and you've never turned from your wicked ways to trust in Jesus. And I would encourage you as Chris did to listen to God's call on your soul. If he is working on you right now and showing you that you need to come to him and that you need to turn from your wicked ways and trust in his gift 
of salvation, Christ his son, respond to that call. Don't, don't delay it. Don't put it off and demonstrate your repentance by the life change that God will inevitably bring about when you turn to him. Yes. But again, there's, there's something else for, um, those of us who have already done that. Um, we kind of find ourselves in the same sandals as Jonah, where we're kind of reluctant, you know, to do the will of God. But we see here in this story that it always pays off when we do. God took a simple sermon and used it to convert a whole nation. And what might God do with us when we give him not our leftovers, not just a little bit of us, but all of us, when we give our all to the Lord, what might he do through us? Right. Yeah. That's that's a good message to take home, guys. So we're so glad that you joined us here on the Faith 168 podcast this week. We hope that you come back next week and uh, just encourage you to go out and live this next 168 hours faithfully for Jesus. Brother Brandon, you want to dismiss us in prayer? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you for this story presented before us in the book of Jonah. And we just simply pray you might give us the grace and strength to be faithful messengers of your word. Lending ourselves, more than lending ourselves, surrendering ourselves to your kingdom purposes to preach your word and reach people for Christ. And we do pray for all of our listeners. Um, that if there, especially if there's one listening who doesn't know Christ, and we just pray, Lord, you might help them to repent and turn to Jesus and to be encouraged to do that through the example of the Ninevites that we've seen today. And help us all to continue to repent as we know it's not just a one-time decision. It's, it's something we continue to do as we live the Christian life. And be with us. We pray for your power that you might help us to live faithfully for Jesus the next 168 hours of the week. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.